Hey y'all, you know we're a nonprofit, right? That means we rely on donations from listeners to keep this podcast going. So if you have a couple of dollars to spare because every dollar counts, please consider giving at patreon.com slash femfreak. Also fun fact, in addition to the perks that you'll get as a Patreon subscriber, your donations and contributions on Patreon are also tax deductible because we're a 501c3. So if you want to learn more, if you want to give please head over to patreon.com slash femfreak. The first group of people I saw it was somebody called out the kind of offensiveness of her ending up in Southeast Asia and that being like the worst possible thing that could ever happen to like a white person's career, which is fucking rude. Welcome to Feminist Frequency Radio. This is the show that asks you to be critical of the media you love. I'm Anita Sarkeesian. And I'm Kat Spada, and today we've finally become the first women to conduct Mahler's Fifth Symphony, I think. <laughs> well, in any event, we're talking about Todd Field's first film in 16 years, the Kate Blanchett showpiece, Tar. Just a content warning for all of y'all. This film we're discussing deals with subjects of suicide and abuse of power, so please listen ahead with caution. A darling of the Venice Film Festival and heavily buzzed about for awards consideration, Tar is a meandering two-hour and 38-minute journey (laughs) through its titular character's fall from grace. A rare woman at the top of her field, Lydia Tar is a composer and conductor of one of the world's leading orchestras. In between preparing for her upcoming performances and recordings, she navigates complex relationships with her wife, daughter, and personal assistant— All the while, she's avoiding responsibility as a former protege suffers from having been groomed and rebuffed by Lydia. And she's lavishing affection on a new object of desire, her orchestra's rookie cellist. When the consequences of her actions finally start to catch up with her, we learn more about Lydia's past and see an unusual second act for her life and career in a startling denouement. You want to dance the mask? You must service the composer. If you're here, then you already know who she is. Lydia Tarr is many things. I received another weird email. There's no reason to get caught up in any intrigue. I'm worried. She's starting to disappear into herself. Joining us is a filmmaker and entertainment professional who has worked with the Directors Guild of America and associate produced the award-winning Radiotopia podcast, The Truth. As a filmmaker and writer, he is one of Lambda Literary's 2022 Emerging Voices Fellows. He is passionate about work that recognizes the importance of intersecting identities in entertainment to make change. He's passionate about George Michael, and he's seen Tar in theaters three times. (laughs) So far. So far. Welcome to the show, A.C. Lamberty. Wow. In the words of Lydia Tar herself, you cannot start without me. I start the clock. Okay. I'm very happy to be here. Oh, boy. Um, AC and I share so many media interests. Um, we, I mean, all, all I know about AC is that, like, when I see something, if you've seen it, I want to hear what your take is. And so the fact that, like, 
Anita and I went and saw Tar together and we were going to record right afterwards. And then we were like, we need to sit with this movie for like two weeks and really digest it. And like every time I talk to you, you've seen Tar a subsequent time. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, if your friend has seen Tar in theaters three times, like do a wellness check. Like I'm a repeat watcher for everything and I love a slow ass movie. So I was like, I'll see this a billion times. I'll spend 12 hours of my life on Tar. Sure. Why not? <laughs> oh my God, that is wow. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. That's a long time. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Why? draw? Do, do you do you go see? Do you rewatch films a lot? Is this just like a standard for you, or is there something about this movie in particular that you're like, I need to experience it again? Mm-hmm. And like, did you get something out of your subsequent watchings that were different? Yeah, I think it's kind of a mix of both. I'm definitely a repeat watcher, especially lately. I've been like recontextualizing how I consume film as art versus commerce. That has become really important to me. And like films like this and films like Memoria that came out this year as well, um, the Tilda Swinton film, like slow, quote unquote, slow films um, have just like helped me shift my perspective about like what I want out of the art form. So of course I was like tar. Okay. Three hours. Like, absolutely. Let's go. Um, <laughs> but with this film specifically, I definitely got so much more out of my, my various watches. Like I think on my second or like whatever watch it was <laughs> recently, I like paying attention to like race and how it's there and not there in this movie was fascinating to me on first watch like thinking about masculinity which is like a niche that i'm kind of obsessed with um in film and media like i it's all i'm I'm gleaning a lot from it every time i watch which is a pattern for me but for this i I definitely got a lot out of it every time yeah yeah i was curious anita when we went to see it that you had gone in kind of blind um you hadn't watched any trailers or read reviews I went into it with like a log line. I, I went into it with like, this is this movie that's what if me too, but a woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I went into I it had, with my own expectations too. Like I had no idea that that's what this was going into it, which I was like, <laughs> like I, wa- I, I heard about it. I watched 10 seconds of the trailer and was like, oh my God, I'm going to, I need to watch this movie. And I turned it off. I was like, I don't need to. I'm sold, you know, like Kate Blanchett is this composer, like look being amazing. Why would I need to know anything else? I don't want the trailer to ruin it. So the fact that it was something like this heavy and I went into it completely unaware, really had it in addition to what I think about the movie, I think also had an impact of that. I just was not emotionally prepared for it to be this mm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. That I feel uh, way more emotionally attached to than other topics necessary. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to films about abuse or me too, or like, I think that there's a, um, a lot of, uh, you know, that using me too as like set dressing or as like character development, like it's just, it's like a hot button thing. And that mm-hmm. makes me really mad. <laughs> I don't think that that's what this movie is doing. I think the movie is about this. And so that's a different take, but uh, I, I like to know when those things are going to happen before I go into the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think like, oh, sorry, Kat, just briefly. I like, I totally understand. I, like, I personally thought the Me Too, I'm, I'm not even low to use the term Me Too because they like never say that aloud. Um, but using the kind of predatory 
subplot. I view it as a character piece. I'm like, is it really a plot? Is it just something that happens in her life? Whatever. But it does kind of feel like a gotcha. Like when you get an hour in and that becomes the focus. Um, Mm -hmm. So I totally feel that. Totally. I feel like there's, there's kind of like three major things we should probably talk about. And like one is, and let's like build to it would be that subject of like cancel culture, accountability, identity politics. Like there's so much that I think we need to like build up to getting into what is this movie trying to say about these things. But then like there's the film as its as its art piece, which I think is like worth spending time on because there is so much I loved about that. But can we just start with like a brief discussion of Kate Blanchett as like as an entity because I feel like there's definitely this like queer icon status that she has with like carol and oh she's gonna show up in oceans eight wearing all these suits like there's something about the way that she's like masculinized for our consumption that is really interesting to me (laughs) and like even on the tar press tour she's like wearing these like blazers with the sleeves rolled up miami vice style like what i mean can we just talk about Kate Blanchett, like how she's perceived or what you think going into this movie about her and then how she carries the movie on her skeleton? Because <laughs> she is like, and the makeup, like they did makeup on her that made her look unlike herself mm-hmm. and completely like a heavier brow, like the way that she is masculinized aesthetically in this movie is really interesting and i know like ac we talked about the scene at the school and i'd love to just talk a little bit about just kate in this moment Mm -hmm. like is she am i wrong that she's like this like gay like godmother figure that like she's been anointed with that title i definitely think she has um i was before this reading her new york times um profile and it's it's so fascinating going through her filmography and like seeing how like her fascination with gender in particular. Like she's played Bob Dylan in uh, "I'm Not There" or whatever the film is. She's played opposite herself in like kind of a weird gendery way in "Coffee and Cigarettes." Like she is fascinating in that way to me. I I came into this not knowing that she was gay in it, which is funny um, because that was iconic i guess i don't like the father scene was amazing like i loved that um but yeah i went into it mostly being like i know that she is a freak about the craft and i love actors like that and i think that we are able to talk about lydia tar as like a real person who exists in the world is like such a testament to her performance um but yeah i'm I'm still kind of grappling with like the queerness and the gender stuff too if, if either of you have particular insight on that yeah, Anita, you I know you I saw you engaging on Twitter with somebody about the like why did Todd Field make this character a lesbian? Mm. Uh I wasn't I don't think that's what it was, but I think I did have that question. You and I talked. We literally walked out of the theater. Like we like got up as quickly as possible and went outside. <laughs> it was a, like it was a physical <laughs> yeah, experience. <laughs> that like first viewing for me yeah. was like really physical, Ugh. you know? I like I just I was dreading recording this episode too. Like, I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. I feel uncomfortable. This movie makes me feel really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because I can't figure out what it is. And this is actually funny because Kat and I recorded another podcast recently about 
like that talked a little bit about this, right? Where I'm like, I don't know what the fucking point is. And I don't know what uh, Todd Field is trying to say. And it's really, and there's, it is saying something Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. And like, that's that I think that that's why I've been like really waffling. So I got into a conversation on Twitter um, because there's a thread that um, someone wrote about how like they loved the first 20 minutes of the movie, uh, but then was really dismayed at how much the movie hates um hates them hates Lydia like the movie just like despises her mm-hmm. uh so I, and I didn't really want to bring this up yet because I feel like you had an agenda cat and this like mm. skips forward no, this is perfect my issue is that it well one of is that like AC you were like I don't want to call this a me too thing I will 100% call it that that is exactly what this is as the larger wrapping of someone in a powerful position is abusing uh grooming exploiting gaslighting people with less power mm. And, you know, if you read anything about this movie, they will point you at male composers who or or conductors who have been called out for abuse. Right. So there is a sense that this is based on this kind of existing world where these things are already happening. So why is this a story about this really accomplished, incredible, powerful white lesbian woman? Right. Um, there's something I think that makes it more complicated. And that I think can be interesting. Right. Is that like abuse isn't just masculinized. Well, actually, this that's ding. This is a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like she is she is also a masculinized woman, uh, like a, a more masculinized lesbian. But, you know, that people in all positions of power, regardless of their identities, can can be abusive, right? So so that's the thing is like, if you're going to make a, a commentary on Me Too of some sort, why are you choosing this as the commentary? Why are you choosing this person and this character? I don't know. And it's pissing me off because I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and, and it's not like, there are moments in which I think this film is incredibly regressive and like super conservative and moments where I think it's critiquing that regressive conservativeness. Mm-hmm. I don't think it like... It is not clear on what necessarily it's saying about how it feels about these abuses of power, how it feels about this character and what she has done and where she goes and what accountability is. Like it's it, it's almost like dropping these like plot points in without a cohesive unified vision of like, what the fuck are you trying to tell us with this? That That's why I'm so frustrated by mm, it. Totally. I especially in in what you just said about like whether or not the the movie hates or doesn't hate or loves its main character i was reminded of red rocket which i know i've talked about on the podcast before and how it's a completely different type of movie i mean i don't know maybe not it's it has a similar kind of meandering quality but it's like a very different pace um and obviously a different world that it takes place in but like you you know my experience with red rocket was like god this fucking protagonist is terrible. He's horrible. He keeps getting worse. And I'm right here with him. I don't want to be left out of this story because he is so compelling and magnetic. And there is something about this too, where like, I yeah, I don't think the movie really has a perspective on whether or not Lydia Tarr is good or bad. Um, but even for like that first half hour of watching NPR, you're still like, damn this this woman is like amazing like you're really sucked in (laughs) 
I literally made a note as soon as we walked out of the theater being like, I feel like I just watched NPR for three hours <laughs> and I do not <laughs> like listening to NPR, you know? So, I mean, can we talk about that, like that intellectual distancing though? Because like my, one of my main questions is like why, and actually I think I recently saw a Kate and Todd Field doing an interview about why this was set in the classical music world. And I feel mm. like it just kind of was that he was likes classical music and likes Mahler. Like, I think there really wasn't much to it. But I, watching it, I was like, is there a reason this movie is keeping a lot of us at arm's length? Because if it was about um, a sports coach or a CEO or filmmaker, we would all be able to connect with it a little bit better or easier than it being in such like a rarefied air. And... I think there is something about like in that first 20 minutes, like that whole, you know, New Yorker interview and then good God, I almost stood up and clapped for the Alec Baldwin podcast guest appearance. <laughs> Thank God he's getting work. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a redemption arc. Like <laughs> Todd Field's here to give you a job. Um, I was like, is there a reason like this is, this is really saying like you, you're going to have to, do some work you're you're we're not going to give you this world or this movie like you're either smart enough for it or you're not and if you're not like see you in half an hour when we get to the good stuff like there's something mm -hmm. about that like did you feel especially with like repeat viewings ac like did you feel that you needed to know actually you you already you have a background right in music yeah i have a lot of thoughts on this i so i played cello for like 13 years um as a young person and was pretty good and like at a high level so this it spoke to me in in a world way that i think might be a little inaccessible to a lot of people and i feel like the arts admin part of it i was also like okay i get this too because that's my day job um in general, though, like on that, I am very surprised that this film exists in like an American studio system at all. Mm. Um, and I feel like that honestly does a disservice to the movie, like it being offered for such broad consumption. Um, I feel like it is something that would play really well as like an art piece, honestly, like because it really feels that way and feels like it's intended to be consumed as a character study we are in her life as she is in her life and we are experiencing kind of like incongruous things that she experiences that may or may not have to do with like the narrative of her life and i really like that experience but i think it's also incredibly alienating <laughs> um both from subject matter down to the npr of it all like i was like oh my dad's gonna love this but my mom is not gonna understand any of it like it's it's alienating on such a personal level in that way like intellectually um so like the film as a whole i'm, I'm just a little shocked that we are like talking about it in the broader culture at all. If that is illuminating in any way. Yeah. When you're saying that, I was like, yeah, I can see this being like a European art house film, totally. you know, and it would be very different mm -hmm. or, you know, it'd be slightly different. Thank you for sharing that. It's, it is very curious how it is being positioned. Yeah. And I like, I love the Lydia Tarr memes, of course, like she's a genius. <laughs> the fact that her, her, like astrological sign somebody was able to be like it was on wikipedia she's a libra i'm like that's brilliant but like oh my god but like the memification of it all i'm just like i don't know i i i think that this might just be the wrong film for the wrong audience in some ways i don't know mm. um but i'm glad people are seeing it so there's a scene that takes place at juilliard uh where she's like a guest instructor for a conducting co composition or conducting students 
and um and the, it gets real fucking luxury, right? And so there's a te- the the scene is a tension between a student who um identifies as bipoc non-binary, I think, um and is frustrated at the fact that like Lydia is harping on I don't know Bach or someone, some famous composer uh being like his work is so important and the student is like yeah but he's a misogynist so i'd rather just focus on other people's work and then she like goes off about you know blah 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 and this scene i think is really this scene is the scene that i was like what the fuck is this movie doing like you know there is uh there is a tension that is happening in this moment that i think there is a there is a uh, a conversation to be had about you know whether you can appreciate the work and impact of an artist who is also a bad person and has caused harm, right? And I think that most of us that work in the media space are like, yes, th- why are we still having this conversation? This is a mu- this is so much more nuanced. It's like you can't erase the impact that a creator had on an industry, but we can acknowledge the harm that they've created. Blah blah blah, whatever. I know it's not that cut and dry, but it kind of is like whatever. So in this scene, uh, you have her tearing into this student for like wanting to, you know, have some morals and some values and some ethics around their work. And, uh, you know, the care, the, that, that student storms out or whatever. And like, you're left in this space of like, she was a dick to him, but was she right? So like, did mm. she deserve to be an asshole? Or sorry, not him. They um, deserve to be an asshole to the student. You know, they're just they're just doing it in this elitist way, which is then kind of compounded by at the very beginning, she talks about how like she doesn't like she doesn't really care about being a woman or talking about being a woman or like being a female composer and the importance of supporting other. You know, like it's very she's very part of the like. Pa- the the patriarchal power structures, which I think is a very interesting character. I just don't like where it went, you know? That was such an, I mean, especially going into this movie, I, and finally that's where it starts to ramp up to my expectation of like, okay, is this the moment where we're about to see, is this the um, Billy Bush on the bus tape moment? You know, like, is this where we're about to see this character's, fall or whatever and it's shot to with this purposeful built building of tension the student won't stop jiggling their leg and you know that like it's i i kept thinking at some point lydia's going to like slam she's going to slam her hand on them and like there's going to be some physical altercation and it just keeps kind of building and i thought it was kind of amazing that when this moment finally kind of pays off an hour and a half later (laughs) it's in like a seriously silly kind of way like by the time it comes back and it's been like so obviously chopped up in a really amateurish fashion by the time we see it again it's the least important thing about all of what we now know Lydia has done Mm -hmm. and I think that like what the movie maybe is saying about the the type of people who complain about cancel culture or who don't expect that they're going to have to take accountability for their uh, misdeeds. It reminded me a little bit of like White Lotus season one. Can we spoil, have a spoiler-ish? Like, yeah, we've already talked about it on the podcast too. Okay, yeah, like that at the end of White Lotus season one, you're like, right, this is what happens. Like the rich people don't have consequences for the fucked up shit that they were had a hand in. So 
watching, you know, some reviewers have said that this movie, like you really see, I think that Twitter thread, Anita, was like, wow, you really see this character just get like destroyed, you know, torn apart, da 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 da. And I was thinking, no, just Lydia's kind of stupid about it. Like Lydia makes a lot of really stupid mistakes and mm-hmm. doesn't cover her tracks very well. And so by the time this video comes up, you're just like, yeah, well, no shit, you got caught being a dick. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you actually, your point is really astute here in terms of, I didn't, I didn't register it that way until you said it, of like, by the time that video comes out, you're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> you know, like, it's, this is the least worst thing that she's done at this point. Um, it is ridiculing calling people out, right? Like the way that that video was like, it didn't need to be cut up like that. Like, why was it, why was it made goofy in that way? And there's a sense of judgment uh, and like ridicule on people who want to call out powerful folks for being shitty, you know? Um, I was going to say something else though. Um, something about how like the, the actual consequence Right. So one, she she's oblivious. To, I'm not oblivious, but she's like, this isn't going to come out. It's not going to come out. I'm going to keep grooming. I'm going to keep doing this stuff. Right. Like there's something the ramp like once you get into that phase of the movie, you're like, holy fuck, man. Like it, it gets really intense because you're like, why are you still doing this? You're about to get caught in this other thing, which is a gross thing to think about as a viewer in this moment, <laughs> you know, like that you're like, I don't understand why you you're not like stopping the behavior. Like, there's no accountability, and I feel like there's also some, like, really gross classism stuff that comes into play, too, right? Where, like, it's really, she's from a working-class family, and, like, and there's just, like, this little blip of a moment where she's, like, you know, goes home because she has nowhere else to go, and you learn that she changed her name, and, like, that she, like, comes from, I don't know, maybe poverty or at least working-class background, and you're like, was that necessary? Like, what does that have to do with anything here? Uh, Like, are we supposed to feel sympathy for her? Are we supposed to feel more anger for her? And then the only work she can get, which look, I understand that the um, Philharmonics fucking hate doing the like orchestra to the movie that everybody loves to see. Those are super fun. We all love them. But like, I know that orchestras don't like doing it. But the fact that it was like in Asia to a group of fans as if fans are like these cheesy, like, un- like that they're not worthy of also having experiences with like live music. Is it like, it just like, and is that actually a consequence? Is that, you know, like you're still fucking getting work, you know? And, and just the whole, the whole way that that played out in that ending scene, I was like, go fuck yourself. Like I was, <laughs> I was so mad, but like, what are we, so- I don't know what I'm supposed to take out of that. You know, that that there are not actual consequences or that this is actually a consequence. Yeah, I felt really similarly about the ending, too. Honestly, like I, I think the impact of it, watching it at first, I was like, whoa, crazy. And then that was it. But the the first group of people I saw it with, somebody called out the the kind of strangeness and like offensiveness of her ending up in Southeast Asia and that being like the worst possible thing that could ever happen to like a white person's career, which is fucking rude. Um, but then thinking about the begin, like literally the very opening of the film where yeah. we have the credit scroll and it is like the recordings of this like audio, whatever ethnography kind of work she's been doing, I think with people in Latin America, right? Like tribes in Latin America, I really do, uh, like, on reflection of that, I like the bookends of, like, thinking about how Lydia thinks about 
cultures that are not her own. Like she is racist in my opinion, like in this opening, you know, chunk of her being like, I deem this kind of cultural expression really worthy and important of preservation. And then we end with her in Southeast Asia, like presumably like we know enough about her character that she's like, this is hell. This is horrible. And I feel really like denigrated being here. I think those two parallels are so interesting to me. However, I don't think it should have ended that way. I agree with you on that. Mm. Yeah. I thought the ending was very striking in a way that I, I think I was, I was very entertained by it. Like in the moment I had this like, Oh, this movie just surprised me. Like after three hours and after just kind of being like, all right, is there going to be what, what are we going to see as the outcome? You know, and I, I did have to kind of look up, right? So she's, she's uh, conducting a score for the video game Monster Hunter to cosplayers in an audience. And like that conceivably could be a really big paycheck. <laughs> I mean, that seems like absolutely yeah, to me, it doesn't seem like a downgrade financially. It doesn't seem like you've been, you can't get a job. It's definitely considered a low, like a low art. And that, you know, is aesthetically offensive to her sensibilities. But then there's this other, like they dive into it just a little bit further too, which is we know by this point that Lydia's a germaphobe. Um, and now she's in what, Western cultures want to consider like a dirty place. But then there's this moment where she's faced with these like sex workers, this massage parlor moment at the end that like that's the one piece of this like outcome that I was like, uh, what? <laughs> what? How, how am I supposed to interpret this? I even saw a review that was like, oh, you know, they're this one girl makes eye contact with her and she's like in the same position where the cellist sat in the orchestra and i was like well, what's the point of this girl making eye contact like i don't think there is a point here and why is lydia tar so like is she shocked is she offended mm -hmm. like this is um this is not an unusual thing like it, it may you know there's problems with it or there's a lot of different ways you can approach or talk about like the sex work and sex tourism industry but like what I, I really but, didn't know what that scene was. But why is it just a why is yeah. it just a blip in the movie? Mm -hmm. Like why is it there? You know, for, you, you could have cut it out and saved us fucking ten minutes of this long ass <laughs> well, goddamn movie. Like, oh, she would be like she would be callous to this to this Krista character whom she who she groomed or whatever. We don't really know the details, but then who eventually died by suicide but then when she's faced with like the prospect that she might um solicit a sex worker it's like oh how dare you i would never yeah. and it's like what <laughs> like, it's like every really? read i have on that moment just doesn't work for me it's like she's reminded of the cellist she's reminded of her daughter she's reminded of her abuses against other women like none of those reads make sense or like impact me in a meaningful way it, it just ends up feeling corny i feel like it's just more making her uncomfortable yeah like i feel like it has nothing really to do with sex work it just feels like another like discomfort she can't go get her massage that she wants to get mm -hmm. because it you know like you know she, everything is different and weird and blah 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 you know yeah I, i'm not sure but, if we're supposed to have like empathy for her when she goes and pukes on the street like i feel 
that's maybe the first thought is to be like, oh, she's learning something. And by that, I am learning something too and feeling for her. But like, even if we're supposed to be like, fuck yeah, like reckon with what you've done, that doesn't work for me either. So yeah, I am with you on that. And and so in relation to that, I completely forgot about that part. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I guess it was supposed to be more, I don't fucking know. But she walks in and she's like, she's treating the job very seriously. And even when she walks out on stage, she's treating the job seriously. And so there's something I think related to whatever you said made me like connect that of like, do we, uh, well, I don't know. This whole podcast is me being like, I don't fucking know anything about this movie. Like, are we supposed to see it two more times? Mm No, God, no. Get your punch card out. Are we supposed to like, have admiration for her work ethic are we you know like is it is it like she's like even even in my lowest low i'm still going to be the best that i can be you know she's like what is happening herself up by her well-heeled bootstraps <laughs> and she's gonna You're get right. out of paramus new jersey or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah man this fucking movie i have i you know i've been talking a lot of shit about it because i found it really annoying and also i had to pee for three hours so that was also annoying sure. but and the person next to us fell asleep immediately and started there are some like lovely filmmaking moments of this movie right like mm-hmm. i think that it is a movie worth some merit in terms of the filmmaking like i even was very like the long conversation scenes at the beginning, like I was actually kind of like, Oh, what is this? Like I was kind of taken by some of the, like the time that was spent in these moments that we don't get very often in, in films. So like there's there, this movie is not without merit. I just, I'm like, don't fuck with these big subject matters. If you're not going to say something that Mm. is mean something, right? Like this isn't just like the, grief of losing a pet you know like i don't fucking know like <laughs> for sure I thought that that's a sad thing to do but you know the production design was so incredible it reminded me of parasite which mm. i thought was also like just advanced like what production design can do for a, a storytelling mm-hmm. in the sense that they built that house with that basement like here we had we seeing her in all these different cities i mean new new york very different from berlin and then that ending and but like her two homes in particular in berlin when we she first shows up to her house with her wife like coughing in the background or whatever and it's just this stark concrete with she's going around turning all the lights off because she doesn't want to run the light bill up and like I thought, God, this is like your home that you live in with your wife and your daughter. Like, what a austere and horrible place, like, brutalist. Then she goes to her little creativity nest that she lived in before she got married. And that's where you see framed pictures of her from her shamanic experience that she went to for an ayahuasca healing when she was doing that, like, ethnographic research or whatever. And I was like... Absolutely. Like, this is the place where you seduced people. Mm-hmm. And this is the place where you can create. And I, I thought there was also such a clever use of sound in that, like, the motion sensor alarm that we later discover that's what that is, that she's hearing mm-hmm. from her neighbor. It 
starts to inform her music and it's really kind of like interfering with her mental state and her focus. And then when you discover that it is about a daughter trying to care for her dying mother and it's this like heart, there's this horrible human moment that's happening across the hall. And Mm. meanwhile, Lydia Tarr is like trying to get the notes right on her composition and Ugh, love that. I thought that like that build up and payoff was really good. So there were so many elements. Like ultimately, this movie's like the sum of its parts doesn't quite work for me because I feel like it sets itself up for high expectations and then doesn't ultimately meet them in terms of storytelling, like in terms of, I guess, script. But all the other elements, performance, production, excellent. When she, so when the people who own the house come over and ask her to like not play music during certain hours and she has a fucking meltdown, I was like, yes. Yeah. But also, it's one of those moments of like just like rich people pissing off other rich people. You know what I mean? Like you're all just fucking over each other and whatever. But that, that scene, I was, I was like, this is great. (laughs) I'm so here for this. Oh, man. All of those kind of sensory moments, I just, I love to agree that it is not, it it doesn't amount to a ton in the end, at least in the way this film is being presented to us. But like the moment where she is running and hears the screaming in the woods, loved it. The moment where she mm. like tries to follow the cellist into the like wreckage of that apartment, the dog, that I loved that part. I was like going crazy for that part. It was amazing. Like all of the kind of sensory stuff, just like created such a complete picture. And if anything, I'm like, this is Kate Blanchett's, like magnum opus she created a life like that's incredible um so i love it for that if anything you know all right well what a lovely note to end on for this fucking infuriating movie (laughs) yeah go for the five minutes of scary dog (laughs) the rest you can take or leave yeah it was great um we will be right back to share some freakouts If you are enjoying our show, please consider supporting it on Patreon. Your monthly or annual tax-deductible gift helps us keep the show running and on the air. By becoming a patron, you're supporting independent feminist media and a nonprofit that's working to end abuse in the games industry. Plus, patrons get a special bonus alongside each episode of the podcast. Of course, we know that not everyone has the means to financially support the show, so... Just taking a moment to give us a star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show can help new listeners find us. We appreciate your support in whatever way you can provide it. Now, back to the show. Now it's time to talk about what's been thrilling us, moving us, upsetting us, or infuriating us this past week. And based on that last, uh, that particular scene in Tar where she's being chased through uh, an abandoned basement. Anita, why don't you tell me about your freak out this week? (laughs) (laughs) You're so good at transitions. You know, on a podcast we recorded uh, earlier this week, I was watching Kat read the script and like on the fly changed a word because it was a repeated word and did it so seamlessly and perfectly. (laughs) I was like, damn. (laughs) Yeah, like wordsmith over here, master. Um. Okay, so y'all know that I am like, I don't like horror movies, but I'm learning to not say that anymore, right? I'm learning to say that I like some types of horror movies. uh, And so, you know, have some nuance for a large genre. Anyways, that said, 
I watched Barbarian, which is a movie that film buffs are going wild about and think is amazing and blah, 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 blah. Has either of you seen it? Yes. yes. Fuck this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not buying the huge Wait, hype. Why is everyone obsessed with this fucking movie? Okay, so it's about, for those of you who aren't familiar, it is about, oh, I mean, the, the IMDb description is a woman staying at an Airbnb discovers that the house she's rented is not what it seems. You know, it's obviously like Justin more than Long that. is Lydia Todd <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but this this is I I put this in this episode specifically because so the the first twenty minutes of this or whatever the first like act of this is like horror movie and you know like I'm like ah oh, why am I watching this I can't believe it I hate horror movies whatever but like good like the dialogue and the exchange and the situation that happens I was like man I fucking believe all of this like this is a very believably mm-hmm. written interaction that took place and then you cut to this fucking guy who is <laughs> sorry spoilers uh which which also okay big spoilers so just stop listening for the next 2 minutes if you don't want to hear about this movie um I like the the like it's one movie and then it's another movie. Like I I liked that. I thought that that was really nicely done. But it's about this guy who um is a Hollywood director who has a pilot and he gets accused of rape and he loses his fucking show and then he blah 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 whatever. <sighs> I am so tired of me too abuse stories blah 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 being used as like character design. Right. Mm. Like they don't do fuck all with this thing. There's literally no reason that this guy should be this guy and be this back. Like it it feels like, oh, this is a hot topic. So let's just throw that in here now because it's interesting. And this movie does not actually button up anything. And it tries to introduce some very big topics and some very meaty things. Uh, But it like you, I ended it being like, what the fuck? Just make a horror movie. Stop trying to say something. Like, this is one of those movies that I'm like, you literally have said nothing. Why are you trying to say something? That's how I feel about this. And I don't get it because, like, people I respect really like this movie. And, like, just people are very into it. So this podcast episode is me being like, don't fucking throw abuses and shit in your goddamn movies unless you're going to say something about it. Love it. Also, Scary Mama. Um, have you thought about uh, that scary mama (laughs) (laughs) look if it was just scary mama I'd be like cool just be this fucking freaky ass thing don't explain it just have this scary fucking dwelling thing you know living in the basement of this house of leaves fucking building also one of the key takeaways being like actually homeless people can be trusted it's like so lame (laughs) oh my god are you kidding (laughs) The gentrification shit like really lost me. Like it, oh, it was so unbuttoned yeah. up, like you were saying. It oh definitely my god! Did and that. then, he- <sighs> but that's like the same thing. Like, oh, we're gonna t- here's me too, but we're not gonna talk about it. Like, here's Detroit, and and when mm-hmm. they go then to that flashback, I was like, we're really gonna see something like about the like the racial makeup of this neighborhood. Nah, no. No! And they don't even say anything about the fucking, like, reason why this whole, this, this whatever zombie nightmare monster thing even mm-hmm. exists. They don't even fucking do anything with that. Like, I was talking to someone and they're like, well, I read it as, like, intergenerational trauma, blah, blah. I was like, cool. Like, Generous. Fucking say it. Yeah, like, <laughs> come on, man. I, I, I will say fun. there's one scene that I love. Sorry, can I? 
There's yeah. one scene that I fucking loved, though, that I thought was hilarious. And it was when What's His Fuck, the director guy, finds this freaky ass room that and like anybody would be like what the fuck is happening immediately goes upstairs and googles whether you can <laughs> list uh extra square footage in unfinished basements on like listings and then like goes and measures how long it is yeah that shit and like going past these creepy ass death cages and shit just being like it's fine i'm just like i'm gonna get more money it's fine like totally. that i thought was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. It tells us more than the the Me Too plot line about his yes! character, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I just appreciated the Bill Skarsgård as Red Herring. Um, <laughs> just thinking, like... He's in everything right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and to have gotten, like, to be blessed with good Skarsgårdy looks and then to be Pennywise and the Castle Rock creepo and i was like oh obviously like horror movie bill skarsgård's here like watch out and he's just he's just a guy he's just like a also i've been uh aggressively corrected by swedes on the pronunciation of the skarsgård brother family okay Uh, i can't i fucking if i can pronounce it's like scores scores gourd i can't even do it it's fucking it's very specific i will be a salted licorice in um abnegation yeah all right. Anyways, thank you for bearing with my freak out. <laughs> AC, what is your freak out this week? Let's see. I think on a positive note, positive-ish. I okay. We don't Kat do positive here. <laughs> um, well, I gotta say there are definitely negatives to this as well. But Cat is aware of this. I've been doing Vampire Autumn for like the past two months, um, just consuming a lot of vampire content that I've never seen. Um, because I'm fascinated by vampire stories and think they could be so much and cover so much. Um, but I watched Blade for the first time. Um, oh, I watched I that loved. for the first time during the um, during the lockdown. Yeah, I mm-hmm, got a mm-hmm. huge kick out of it. Um, Wesley Snipes is so hot in it. It's insane. Um, also watched the original interview with the vampire movie, which like five stars changed my life. Um, <laughs> like the, wait, the Tom Cruise in... Um, Brad Pitt. Wait, Correct. you hadn't seen that? Wow. I hadn't seen okay. it. It was. I was like, this not is a seen movie it. made for me. Really? Oh my god, cat! Yeah. I mean, I don't. I've tried to rewatch it recently and was super fucking bored. Yeah, I was yeah. just like Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even like begin. Like he is so wild in this movie. I was just like, thank you so much for your service. Um, and I will say the the <laughs> the show on AMC, the pilot is so good. Um, highly recommend like it is actually good not like me being like i love interview with the vampire i guess um <laughs> uh highly recommend i need to catch up but i really liked it so vampire content awesome. abound have me. you watched only lovers left alive yes okay that's my, that's my favorite that's my favorite you know amazing. and i love what's his face my husband oh, whose name hiddleston. i can't remember right now tom hiddleston yeah love yes him. i'm due for a rewatch and his old dancing yeah. yeah that movie is one of my favorites and thanks to right. you reminding me about Vampires, I finally watched The Hunger the other night. Oh, How yeah. did you like it? I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, I dug it. I dug it. I mean, there was there was a um I mean, Ryan it's super Fuller. slow, so you'll like it. <laughs> mm, I'm <laughs> Ryan ready. Fuller was ready. presenting this screening um for at at a Halloween screening at the local theater and um ran into him in the lobby and was talking to him. He said, "Yeah, this is 85% amazing." And then 15% of it just l- off the rails, like loses its <laughs> sure. steam. Mm-hmm. And I thought that I would was, I would agree with that. I'm glad I had that in my head watching it because this stuff, I mean, 
I was like, oh, my God, this part is so stupid. Who cares? It's so horny. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You know, I I wanted it to be more horny. I think... So I went to the Bram Stoker's Dracula screening that uh, Cinespia did. Very late. Watched that for the first time too. It's amazing. Continue. It is. It was, it's insane. Wh- one that movie's fucking amazing. It Ugh. is so horny. It is so horny yeah. in okay. a way that I'm like, why aren't more movies like this? Thank you. Like I don't even oh. think the hunger is like quite there. You know, it's not. It doesn't. It's it's differently. Look. One Susan Sarandon nipple, one Catherine Deneuve butt crack, and then a billowing <laughs> gauzy curtain. I don't Is know enough a for more you? potent <laughs> combination. Oh my god! I, I accept that. I accept that. All right, Cat. What are you? Other than Susan Sarandon's nipple, what are you freaking out about? Oh my god! Bringing us real downhill with some bad television. Um. By the way, I did watch the pilot of Monarch. Speaking of Susan Sarandon, I did too. Whew. What do you guys Sorry. think? It's oh. so atrocious. Oh <laughs> no! It is so I love like her. that sucks. Ask some aliens to watch some TV shows and, and then write a TV show, like with yes. no concept of what country yeah. music is, how peep, how families are constructed. <laughs> it uh, feels like a parody of. Uh, like of nighttime soap operas. Yeah. Yes, it's very like, like um, what's her name from Pushing Daisies is like about to put that the cowboy hat on, and then Susan Sarandon in a big wig is like, "I see you're ready to wear the crown." Like it was so <laughs> wild, and I, and yet like it just I it will... made me miss miss Nashville because Nashville was such yeah. a good first season, such an extraordinary mm. good first season. But, like, I will get sick and I will binge the entirety of it. So I have not removed it from my, yeah, I've not removed it from my up next so that when I'm, like, extremely bored, I might watch another episode. But it's it's atrociously bad. And who's the, who's the musician who plays her husband? Um, uh, I can't remember his name, but he is, uh, he's the mastermind behind the song Honky Tonk Badonkadonk. So maybe that is my all time freak out. Um, It is one of the best bad country new country Incredible. songs um a- able no, roman no no that's that? his character know, name whatever um so for this tar episode like anita choosing barbarian i am choosing another bad television show that i have been watching and will continue to watch weekly which is alaska daily <laughs> i have never heard of this in my life which is crazy <laughs> wild because it stars two-time academy award winner hillary swank um and <laughs> is from tom mccarthy uh mm-hmm. who gave us spotlight and i thought spotlight was an excellent movie i like hillary swank a lot i was like intrigued by the trailer that i saw in which hillary swank is a new york journalist who's at the top of her game she gets canceled and has to move oh to my Anchorage. <laughs> has to move to Anchorage because, like, an old boss or somebody is like, "Hey, I know you're having some troubles there in New York. We could really use a, a great reporter to come solve this cold case of a, a murdered or missing Indigenous woman." Is it cold because it's Alaska? Yeah, that's all. This is that's what the entire show is like. The second episode, she's running and she sees a moose, and she's like, "Siri, are moose dangerous?" It's like perfect. Um, But it's like it has everything in the worst way. Like what it it has, 
It has a great actor who's doing a terrible job. It has a compelling (laughs) theme of like the massive problem of murdered and missing indigenous women completely being overlooked by the media and by law enforcement and by journalists. I'm like, oh, bring me more of that. I'm intrigued. I want to know. I want to see a story set in Anchorage. Like, that's really interesting. It's Alaska is a fascinating place and there's not enough storytelling about it. But then it also has all these garbage ABC nighttime tropes that are like not is that well ABC? done. It is ABC and it has that like Shondaland oh, uh, lighting. Um, <laughs> I will say at least that like, you know, they acknowledge uh, there's maybe been three episodes. Each one they've acknowledged without solving the problem. But like, isn't it weird that this like white lady from New York is the one who's coming in? When there's like all these indigenous women who have been trying to get attention paid to this story and have not been listened to. So she's paired up with a, another reporter who's played by the actor Grace Dove. Um, and yeah, I mean, I want to say generous things about the rest of the cast, but nobody's really been given much to do yet. So, you know, I, I'm on board. <laughs> I watch worse shows than Alaska Daily also. So anyway. But the notion, I will say why I brought it up for this episode is like literally unclear what she was canceled for. She has a couple of moments of like criticizing wokeness or being like mean or rude. Like she's, I'm just here to get a story, whatever it takes kind of a thing. But there's no actual like, did you harm people? Are there people whose lives are worse because of you? And are we going to grapple with that? Like that's not ever really tackled it's all fucking set dressing motherfuckers (laughs) and then why are they like not like a hundred percent women can cause harm and you should be held accountable for the harm they cause but is it like oh it's just boring if it's dudes so we need to make it not dudes now you know like Mm -hmm. what 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 are we doing hollywood Hollywood, what are you doing what are you doing i'm a consultant you know i can help you with this shit (laughs) come on oh my god i mean and you heard how good I am with uh, script reading on the fly. Hire us. We're available. Yeah, we can do so much for you. <laughs> well, as always, after a really seamless plug, that is our show for today. AC, thank you for joining us. Oh uh, you are ahead of you're ahead of the curve by not being on Twitter. But where can people <laughs> get in touch with you or learn more? Well, uh, yeah, Twitter's hell. Um, I'm writing Tar too, so be on the lookout for that in theaters of 25. Um, I'm on Instagram and Letterboxd. I love Letterboxd. I'm a freak. Um, my handle on both of those is AC Lamberty. Amazing. Uh, I'm Anita Sarkeesian, and you can find me at Anita Sarkeesian on all the hellscapes. <laughs> I'm Kat Spada. I am still on Twitter at cat underscore ex underscore machina. And you can follow Feminist Frequency all around social media at femfreak. If you are a Patreon subscriber, be sure to stick around for the bonus episode with our guest, AC Lamberty. If you like the show, help other people find it. Subscribe, rate, and comment on your favorite podcast app. Thanks so Thanks much. so much for, for listening. listening. <laughs> are we orchestrating it? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>